It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's show, we're going to take a belated look at Cavs-Hawks, talk about some of the fallout of that sort of meaningless game in the Cavs' depth. A lot to talk about as we get late in the season here on Locked On Cavs. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Basketball GM. Uh, the new Grid Tontrefers. Ever dreamed of becoming an NBA GM and managing your basketball franchise? Then this game is definitely for you. To download the game, just visit ultimatebasketballgm.com or look it up on your app store of choice. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On. That is in all caps in the game. All right, I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Damerell. This episode is, as always, produced by the one and only Jake Stevens. The music on the way is from our friends at Astro Radio. Evan, to hit on Cavs Hawks first. This was a game that I, I think the we can we will talk about the refing and just some of the weirdness of that. That that's part of this discussion. But I, I think from a Cavs perspective, there are two things that stand out to me. Number one, Donovan Mitchell was again awesome. Um, you know, he hit has forty four. He is just like kind of willing the team to kind of come back in a lot of ways. And also, I you could tell that this game meant a lot more to the Atlanta Hawks, in my opinion. I think it, yeah, I think it meant more to the Atlanta Hawks, but more than anything, Donovan, yeah, and also Donovan Mitchell was sensational, but more than anything, the Cavs, it, you could tell that they were banged up, that they were a couple key players missing. I think the lack of Jared Allen was evident in this one, just because Evan Mobley did a lot of otherworldly stuff defensively, but you could really use that security blanket that is Jared Allen for Evan Mobley at times just because you don't want to overtax him on the defensive side of the ball too much. But yeah, we could talk about the refing until the cows come home at this point. It is what it is. Uh, the Cavs now have to shift their focus to New York on Friday, which I spoke with Gavin Shaw, locked on Knicks at length about that game and a possible playoff series between those two. So check that out on Friday's episode of the show. But yeah, it's just it is what it is. The Cavs didn't win this game. Um, they at least showed life because at least in the first quarter, it looked like they were kind of getting buried by Atlanta a little bit. And then they clawed and fought their way back into this one. And then things just kind of didn't swing and break their way towards the end of it. One one of the things that I, I think is I think the deaths was worth throwing because there's no Jared Allen. Um, there's no Isaac Okora. Both these guys missed the games with with you know, kind of minor injuries. You know, I, I think that in, in all likelihood, like, the, this is being very precautious. This is kind of worrying about the late in the season kind of thing. I think that's where we're at here. The Cavs are very much, I think, in maintenance mode. And I, and I think that makes that makes a ton of sense, right? Like, I, I don't think it makes sense to really put your foot down on the gas at this point in the season. So there's that. The, the Mitchell part of it, to me, is, like, probably the most fun part. Because in this game, he hit, so he gets above 40. 
and it ties LeBron James for the most 40 point games in a calf season. And he's a lot. I think he should be a lock for all NBA. He was an all star. You know, he's not going to be in the MVP discussion, but like, I, I think like right on the outside of the top five to me feels right for him. Um, we're kind of pushing in based on, you know, whatever metrics you want to do. But I think he's, I think he's been one of the best players in the league this year. You know, I think certainly came out guns blazing and, and was incredible in particular, but. He's going to finish this season as having, I, th- I think, one of the... the I, we're on the pace, you know, I, I think he could do nothing else. And this feels, Evan, like a pretty great debut regular season for him. We'll see about the playoffs and how that obviously goes and how that changes how we think about it. But this is just one of those games, I think that's a reminder that this is... Mitchell's having like a really, really... We shouldn't lose sight of the fact that he's having like an all-time calf season to some degree. Oh, absolutely. And the fact that he is about to pass Kyrie for most 40 plus point games in a Cavaliers uniform and it's only his first year. He's had yeah. 10 of those this year. And the fact that, like he said, he tied LeBron. Like, we talked about this on Tuesday's show quite a bit, but Donovan Mitchell's having the best season of his NBA career. And it's several years into his career at this point. He is rejuvenated. He looks like he's having fun out there again. I think the fact that you and I keep saying that he's a two-way player now is still a little weird for me just to comprehend because Donovan Mitchell just never was known as a two-way guy up until this point. And he has been exactly what the Cavs needed. And to your point, like he won't be a finalist in the MVP conversation at the end of the day, but by and far, he's Cleveland's MVP uh, just all throughout this season. Do you, aside from the 71 point game, and this is, I'm putting you on the spot here, so I apologize. No, you're but fine. But do you, do you have like a favorite, besides, 71 point isn't its own thing. And I, and I think we will do an episode that's like, hey, here's the best Donovan Mitchell moments of the season. Here are the best Darius Garland moments of the season. I, I think that is going to be like a fun episode to do once we're, we're done with it and we can really look back and we're out of the meat grinder of, of games. But do you have like a favorite Mitchell moment? Uh, it's a little bit of recency bias, but I think. That poster on Yuta Watanabe is just going to yeah. forever be burnt, burned into my brain. But that game in general was nuts. Like, the Cavs came out flat in that game. They kind of battled back and forth with Brooklyn a bit. But then Donovan Mitchell just got hot and started uncorking a bunch of three-pointers. Him and Jetty Osmond both were awesome. It's just, like, games like that. Um, I mean, obviously, the 71-point game is just, like, the absolute apex of this season for him. And, again, that feels so long ago at this point just because there's been so much incredible Mitchell stuff. But, like, that Yuta Watanabe poster is going to be stuck in my brain forever. Yeah, I think the Sham God in that game as well. The Sham um, God. I forgot about that. That was in that game, too. Like, that was filthy. Like, that was just disrespectful. <laughs> he's he's really great. I, I come away just really impressed every time I watch him. Um, he has moves that, like are really only possible because I think his core just must be like absolutely rock solid. Like the way he can control the ball, like, like, you know, his handle I think is good, but I don't think it's like mm-hmm. the, the, in like the, it doesn't have like the handle, like in the same way, like a Kyrie does, or like I think even a Darius does, but his handle's so good because he propels himself forward, like at all times. Yeah. Um, and he's, and it's just like his body control and explosiveness, like the core strength for him to like go up really high with his, with the, with the, when he's whipping the ball over, it's just like, that is just like you can tell this guy showed up this year like in in crazy good shape. He's, he's oh, pretty for good. sure. And like to your point, um, I think he had did have something to prove just after that meltdown in the Maverick series of the Jazz. But again, he's rejuvenated. But I I just don't think I've come to fully appreciate how great Donovan Mitchell is until he got put on a Cavs uniform. Because I'll be frank, I didn't watch a ton of Jazz games. I would check them out in the playoffs or like whenever they're on national TV because Donovan Mitchell's fun to watch. But 
it really puts into perspective how great he is. And again, we talked about revisiting the trades. Like the Hawks made a great move to get DeJounte Murray. And I think the Wolves paid too much to get Rudy Gobert, but the Cavs got a bona fide superstar over the summer. And it's a little nutty to think that they have three other star players with two possible superstars joining Donovan Mitchell down the line. He's Mitchell is just like a, it's all just like he can. This game was not even a game where like it felt like he totally had it going early, and he just kind of wills himself to forty four. There's a lot of games like that where it just feels like his shot isn't going at first, and then he just needs like either a glimmer of daylight or just like the Cavs coaching staff call the right play for him to for him for him to see the ball go in the bucket like that is just all the re- reaffirmation he needs just in order to go out there and keep hooping like that. Like it's it's nutty to watch just how consistently hot his motor runs. Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Basketball GM. And look, if you have the same thought as, as I'm sure every basketball fan out there, then you got to go and download Ultimate Basketball GM right now. The game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise, playing through seasons and leading your franchise and fans to glory as you build a historic dynasty. In this simulation, you're responsible for dealing with challenging personalities, that means players and coaches, hiring the right coaches and assistants, trading and training players, and making draft picks. All of this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline, play in the go as you want and when you want to. I, our lockdown hosts, I know a lot of them are having a ton of fun playing in, in different leagues and, and competing and comparing notes in our group chat. It's been a ton of fun to, and just seems like a really good time. And you can go check it out right now. Locked on Cavs listeners really? get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On at the game store. So make sure to check it out. Just download to, to download the game. Just visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up on the app store. That's probasketballgm.com, Alton Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You too can add wing depth to the, the Cleveland squad. Whatever their, whatever random name that's not, because uh, it's not licensed. Okay. Talking about defensive, and I, let's just have like an abstract basketball conversation here. Sure. Because the, I think the flashpoint moment of this game is the foul call that it's called the Nevin Mobley that the Cavs challenging was not overturned when he's contesting DeJounte Murray. There was a lot of memes, uh, like including a Michael, one Michael Jackson meme. Murray, you, you slow down the shot. It is pretty clear that, that Murray kind of, his feet aren't going, like they're sliding forward. He is kind of going horizontal in that way. And I understand that the league is in a place and wants to be in a place, I think, where offenses juiced and like it is not a mistake right now that like we have record two teams that are going to this like record offensive ratings that you have all these 70 you have two 70 point games this year and a, and a plethora of 40 point games i understand that and like i don't always mm-hmm. love it i i wish they would kind of referee stuff like they did the beginning of last year and kind of cut it on some of the grifting I, I that's personally i think more enjoyable to watch or just make stuff more feeble like i i think that's fair i don't think those are unreasonable 
I don't really understand what like Evan Mobley is supposed to do in that situation that like like what did he do actually wrong? Like he didn't hit him. He didn't actually crowd his space a la Zaza Pachulia. I don't understand like what a defender in that spot is really supposed to do. Uh, there's nothing he could have done in that situation because he was just, that was a bad call. That was a bad non-call at the end of the day. Um, it's just, it's frustrating because Evan Mobley is a big and you need to give him the benefit of the doubt as well that he is going trying to defend DeJounte Murray in space like that. And he was given no landing zone to land when closing out on that three-point attempt and Murray didn't allow him to do so. And it's just, it's incredibly frustrating um, if you're the Cavs because, again, like, they came out a little flat in this game against the Hawks, but they scrapped and fought their way back in a lot of it on the back of Evan Mobley and just some really insane defensive plays, especially when there was no Jared Allen out there. And you just have to throw up your hands and say, well, what, it's just going to be one of those games. And I, you can't say, like, it's some grand conspiracy. I think there is the human error component when it comes to officiating, of course. Sure. But, like, this was a bad bad missed call and like the fact that they reviewed it and still like stuck to their guns like that like there was no indisputable evidence to say that um murray uh didn't cause anything that was flagrant it's just it's questionable like i had a lot of questions and i'm just like huh like a lot of people complain about the refs and the officiating every night when it comes to any team but like last night i'm like yeah i agree with i agree with cast fans on this one's like this was bad officiating across the board and it's it's frustrating to watch because you're kind of just wasting an opportunity for Evan Mobley defending really well. And also, like you said, maybe just call games a little bit more fairly because it's a little bit more enjoyable when it's not like games are won and lost at the free throw line. I, I does anyone I just don't think like any like maybe the casual fan does maybe like like I'm just too I want to ask a Hawks fan if like they actually enjoy watching the Hawks play like that <laughs> I've texted Brad Roland about this and I will not uh say what he has had to say because I don't want to cause him any issues but like I, I I don't even mean that I just mean like I don't I wonder if like the casual basketball fan is like into like what like the, how things are officiated in this way like is it enjoyable for like for people to like watch how this is happening in front of them how we're seeing like these foul calls how like it is so hard to play defense like i i don't or, or they into the video game aspect of it are they just into like hey give me a bajillion points give me all this stuff is that kind of like what they actually want i don't know i personally just like i don't know what how, i don't know like what you're supposed to do you know like defense is already going to be harder defense is already going to be the much harder harder the ball like you could defend a, you we you see possessions every single game where a defender defends someone perfectly and like someone just makes a tough shot. Like the next possession, DeJounte Murray hit a really, really tough pull up and you just got to like tip your cap to him at that point and be yeah. like, you know what? Like you did the thing. Good job. Like Donovan Mitchell's done that to people. Everyone has done that to people. I also yeah. just like, like, like I, I also just, I want to like, I feel like you should, the playing field should be like a little more level. Like, is that unreasonable? That? No, like, no, I no, think it's that, not, no, it's not unreasonable at all just to, like, ask the game to be called fairly. And I just don't think it's, like, like you said, it's like a tip of the cap moment. Like, yeah, DeJounte Murray got the shot off, like you said, in that play. And, like, yeah, that, that you just tip your cap in those situations. At the same time, like, it's just, it's frustrating because you look at it, like, from, like, an NFL component as well. Like, when it comes to, like, roughing the passer or... Maybe like people were still upset about the calls the Chiefs got in their favor in the AFC Championship game or the Super Bowl itself against the Eagles. Like, there's a lot of egregious calls in those situations. But 
I can understand like if it's in those situations, like it's a championship scenario or if it's something like that. But if it's a regular season game, I don't give it too much thought after the fact. I think like the two minute report frustrates people to no end, but I do appreciate that the NBA does provide that. At least it doesn't change the outcome of the game. It never will. But at least it gives transparency that the league does go back and review officials. Like there are some officials who have been demoted for just some really bad calls. We've seen it this year. Um, and I just I don't know what else you can do at this point. Other than maybe you do scale things back to how it was at the beginning of the season and not lax on things like it turned out to towards the end of the year as well, because it, it's genuinely frustrating to watch some teams win that way or else just like just bait foul attempts or just free throw attempts when it's just not a natural basketball play whatsoever. And you're asking guys to defend that honestly when like, what are you supposed to do? Let the guy just like flop at you and step at the sideline and face plant on the floor? No, you're going to try and defend him honestly. So like I, I I like I just don't know what the proper solution is because there's only so much accountability that can be had with the officials before you like have like a deep sit down and thought process where you're like okay we have to like fix this at the root and I don't think you can fix this at the root because that's just way too much labor intensive work. Yeah, and look, I I don't think like anyone was particularly happy with how this game was roughed, and I don't even want to like I I think refing's got to be like an insanely hard job. Like I just assume that it is like. I had a like I had a friend who was an umpire for youth baseball when we were in high school, and he was terrified of the parents because of some of the calls he made. Yeah, like, and I it's can't like, imagine like at that level, like it's youth baseball, but like this is professional sports. Like, yeah, you're vetted during the entire process, but that's still high intensity stuff. Yeah, and are guys just like screaming at you the whole time? Are guys just like like what is this like? I I don't think any of this is fun, and I wonder like if people just at some point like are like this isn't you know worth the squeeze or whatever. Um, but like I like I so I I want to be like empathetic to to them, but I also just look at like how that game was ref, and I'm just I come away just very like like the phantom timeout call, like some of the 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 non foul calls, like I like I I'm gonna go back and like watch how he got them because maybe he got them, but it's just like it's like I look at like the number of free throws Anyaku Kongu got to, and I like really like Anyaku Kongu as a player, but like he took uh 12 free throws, which is like that feels like a lot of free throws for Anyaku Kongu. Who played just just a little who bit? Two, who played twenty minutes? He took like a like, free throw, like a like a free throw, like a little more than every other minute, basically. And the thing is, is the Cavs did a really good job defending Trey Young in this game up until the second, like in the first half, especially like they didn't let Trey kind of beat them in his game, like getting foul calls. And Trey was getting frustrated; he wasn't get the calls he usually gets. And then something just like the switch flipped in the second half. Like I just don't know how else to put my finger on it. It's just like just changed and yeah the Uncongo point is interesting because I noticed it at halftime I'm like wow he's got a lot of free throw attempts yeah for I, a guy coming off the bench this is some interesting some interesting stuff there okay today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook and the tournament is heating up obviously we're getting closer to the final four on both for both men and the women and there's no better time to get in on the action than right now with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com backslash LockedOn and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net. All of that is on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com backslash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 
The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Evan, well, we'll, uh, we'll have like a, we had, a, this game is is not lead us and we're talking about it late, obviously. I'll, I'll take the, the, the reason that that's on me, listeners, oh. if you're, if you're annoyed about it, that's, I, I asked Evan for a night off and I just kind of needed no it. No blame but, is, no blame taking is needed. If you need like, a night off, you need a night off. And yeah. our listeners should understand that. And I'm we saying are... directly into the camera when I say that. <laughs> so you know I'm talking about you, Timothy. I, if someone's in Timothy, you've called them out of that. It's awkward. But we are late in the season. Correct. Things are... We're not learning a ton about the Cavs at this point. Like we're And like they had a ton Correct. of guys out in this game. Like Aside from the, the main guys, you know, there's no Howell, Tony Neto. There's no Danny Green. There is no Dean Wade. Like you, you had a you had like nine active guys, I believe, and that that's already gonna put you in a weird spot. I and and like the, I understand like that that people get a little like oh like you know the depth isn't good. I'm kind of having an evolving opinion about team depth because I also there's there's two things to me. Number one, I think when you just like have guys that are rotation pieces out, you're kind of just like like you're never gonna be able to replicate that. If you could replicate that okay. and have like a Jared Allen replacement, if Jared Allen misses games, then like you are, there's no salary cap and like you're rotating your squad. And like that, that's not how the NBA works. That's just structurally, like you're going to have a drop off when you have to play Mamadi Diakite or Robin Lopez or whomever at center when Jared Allen is out. Secondly, you look at the Clippers and it's like, I wonder if there's a certain point of like, okay, there guys are just, there's guys there that were like rotation players. Amir Coffee, I think most notably isn't playing there. And like the Clippers are kind of lauded, I think, interestingly, and I think correctly in a lot of ways for like having like a team that has depth, that has like a, a, a lot of optionality. But sometimes that seems to like maybe mean Ty Lue is searching for answers. That means guys who maybe should have should be playing like aren't get a chance to. And it's like I almost wonder if like the depth, if you go too far, it's like like yeah, like you're kind of creating like headaches for yourself that maybe you wouldn't if mm-hmm. you went in, in other directions. I, I so I'm just like I I and just I, I think like the Cavs top like nine could be better but like I don't think it is in the way that is like hey you need like a you need like a perfect Jared Allen replacement I don't think the Cavs are like a big short by any means is that fair I think that's 100% a fair observation and team building and things like that it the instant gratification that the general manager mode on NBA 2K has kind of corrupted the skew in the view of how people think NBA teams operate. Like, I've had this trust me by a couple executives that, like, real life isn't like NBA 2K where you can just literally tap on a player, hit start, and manifest a bunch of trades at random, or you just can't sign a player and lowball them until they agree to commit to you. Like, a lot of guys, like, I remember when LeBron was here and... um Joe Johnson was considered an option that he signed at the Miami Heat and Cavs fans were like furious that he didn't sign at the Cavs and he's like oh no he has an actual opportunity to play one for the Heat and two why he wouldn't he probably would rather just enjoy life in South Beach than he would Cleveland and another more recent example is like Kevin Love like the Cavs are making the playoffs the Heat should make the playoffs as well but people are like oh why didn't Kevin Love want to stay why didn't he honor his contract why didn't he want to be part of this well he wanted to play first and foremost and second of all 
he just wasn't getting that opportunity in Cleveland. So it's tricky. I think the depth conversation is a little overblown. Like people are like, why aren't they playing Danny Green? Why aren't they playing Jetty Osmond more? Why aren't they starting Jetty? Why don't they start Karras and Ben Chikoro? I think it's just so nuanced, the conversation. I think it's so nuanced in the team building and just the coach's game plan in general that it's hard to figure out and pinpoint the exact like needs. And yeah, it's pretty obvious from home. But like, I think when you're inside the locker room or in a high pressure situation, and also you're a coaching staff, like, you know, it works, you know, what doesn't work. And also you're experimenting and feeling things out. And to your point about the Clippers, like, yeah, the Clippers have the benefit of depth, especially when Paul George is absent, like he is now, or like Kawhi is not always available every single game. Like the Clippers have depth, but also it doesn't done a much for them either when they have this overwhelming depth. And you have, I see a lot of Clippers fans saying like, oh, Ty Lue should be gone. Like they should be replacing him as head coach this year. And if you're Ty Lue, like, boy, you wish you had that 2016 championship banner in the Clippers practice facility to stare out. People were questioning your methods. But at the end of the day, it's just, I think people just kind of get too up in arms or maybe people get a little too obsessed with the micro sense of this and don't look at the macro or the big picture of it. Like, yeah, Sam Merrill was torching it from three-point range against the uh, main Celtics today in the G League playoffs, or Dylan Windler was eight of nine, or... He only missed a single three-pointer in the playoffs for, for the charge today. And mm-hmm. people are like, well, why were they playing last night against the Hawks? I just think, let's be frank to them, um, there is a level of difference between the NBA and the G League. Sure, the G League is still a professional league. It's hyper-competitive. But if you're the Cavs, I think you're just looking for more than anything opportunities to get them reps, and they're going to get them more at the charge than they would at the actual ball club because the actual ball club is fairly set one through seven and they only have an eighth man whether that's Jetty Osmond or Lamar Stevens pecking in at the back end of the rotation when they're fully healthy and when this team isn't fully healthy you just look at a lot of guys level up and play even more minutes because that's just kind of how Bickerstaff operates as a head coach and the front office is comfortable with that and to your point like finding a Jared Allen answer isn't an easy thing like Robin Lopez was a cheap option last year it was Ed Davis uh it was Moses Brown for a little bit last year as well too but now with like Evan Mobley like leveling up, like you can kind of kick that can down the road a little bit further. Like, oh, we need a high quality backup behind Jared Allen. You could allocate assets and resources this summer to wing depth, or maybe you find another point guard to maybe take that Holonetto spot who maybe supersedes Ricky Rubio over time too, or something like that. There's like a lot of different avenues and paths, and team building is more of an art than it is a science. And I just don't think a lot of people get that. Let's end on this. I mean, I have a bit of trivia for you. This is from the Axios Sports Newsletter. Um, sure. Donovan Mitchell was the subject of this trivia. So for, Donovan Mitchell on Tuesday hit 10,000 career points. That makes him the fourth fastest active NBA player to reach 10,000 points. Took him 410 games. Who are the three players that reached 10,000 points or faster than Donovan Mitchell? Is Dwayne Wade one of them? He, well, he's not at. That's not an active NBA player. Oh, three active, active NBA player. Sorry, active, active, NBA active, player. active. Um, shoot. LeBron is probably the LeBron one. is one. Um, Kevin Durant. Okay, that's two. Yeah, I, I, one more. Giannis. Nope. Uh, you get two more um, guesses. She's old. Um. Is Kawhi on the list, or is he not nope. played enough? And he did. Uh, if he, I don't know if he has on the point. I assume he does, but he didn't get there quicker than this. Is it Russ? Oh. It is not Russ. It is Joel Embiid. Oh, surprise! Well, LeBron, somewhat surprising. LeBron did it in three hundred and sixty-eight games. Embiid did it in three seventy-three. Durant did it in three eighty-one, and Mitchell did it in four ten. That's there impressive. Yeah. So good for Donovan Mitchell. He's pretty great. 
That's going to be it for Locked on Cavs for uh, this Thursday, March 30th episode. Back tomorrow, we'll have 2 for you on Friday. Evan's conversation with the Locked on Knicks uh, host, Kevin Shaw. And we will talk about some miscellaneous other Cavsy things in another one to get us to your five episodes for the week. Thanks again to Jake Stevens. Thanks again to Astro Radio. I'll back at you tomorrow. Members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.